It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Programme. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone. And Genesee Health Plan can help. I called and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, healthcare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. A lot of people look at me and wonder, what can that thing be? Is it fish or fowl, trout or owl, vegetable or human? Well, gals and guys, I'm gonna put you wise. You're looking at a woman. I can scoop up a great big dipper full of schmaltz from the dripping can, throw it in the skillet, go out and skin a rabbit and be back before it melts in the pan, cause I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now I can rub and scrub Jethro's boots until they're shining like a dime. Shuck the peas, shoo the fleas, and clean the outhouse at the same time. <laughs> Get all dressed up, go out and dance till 4 a.m., and then lay down at 5, jump up at 6, and start all over again. Because I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now, if you come to me sickly, you know I'm going to make you well. And if you come to me all hexed up, you know I'm going to break the spell. And if you're hungry, you know I'm going to fill you full of grits. And if you're dry, I'll mix your corn liquor with sauerkraut juice. Ain't that a blitz? <laughs> that kind of a drink, you won't need a rocket to get to the moon. Because <laughs> I'm a woman. Well, you 
M-A-N I'll say it again Now I can stretch a greenback dollar bill From here to kingdom come Ten the stills, pay my bills And still end up with some I got a $20 gold piece To prove what I just said I can make a dress out of a feed bag And I can make a man out of jail Cause I'm a woman M-A-N I'll say it again Cause I'm a woman W-O-M-A-N And that's all Eat your heart out, Jaja <laughs> Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, as most of our regular listeners know, in the month of October, while everyone is celebrating Rocktober and Shocktober, we celebrate Schlocktober with a different odd or horrible recording each day. That was uh, actor Irene Ryan, a.k.a. Granny Clampett from the 60s uh, TV show, Singing the blues, Granny Clampett singing the blues. Anyway, you might love the artist, you might love the song, but not necessarily the two together. But it seems kind of appropriate uh, with Halloween right around the corner. Also right around the corner is the November 3rd election. And we're going to turn our attention to that now with uh, some guests who unfortunately had to sit through the uh, Schlachtober pick of the day. But they're joining me by phone. There are seven candidates running for two open seats on the Michigan uh, State Supreme Court. And um, we have two of them that you may have seen because they they've appeared together in uh, multiple television commercials and uh, mailers and social media posts and and other things and i'm talking about first uh... chief justice uh, bridget mary mccormick uh... chief justice uh, bridget welcome to the show thank you for having me it's great to be here um, now the last time i spoke to you you were on my show i was at a, a different uh radio station then and uh, you were in the studio and running for the first time and I want to introduce uh, the rest of the people we have on the phone but I want to I want to ask you about re-election and open seats but let me uh, also mention that uh, a um, credentialed uh, highly credentialed attorney is uh, also running for an open seat on the Supreme Court, and that is Elizabeth Welch. Elizabeth, welcome to the show as well. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. And also joining us on the phone is uh, my favorite political activist from Oakland County, Pamela Gerald, who has been uh, primarily responsible for getting us all together for this conversation today, and she wanted to sit in on the call in sort of a co-host role. Pam, welcome, and thanks for uh, connecting me with these two uh, fascinating women. Well, Tom, you know I love you, and you did say the right thing, that I should be your favorite Oakland County advocate. (laughs) (laughs) And good morning, Justice McCormick, and good morning, Attorney Welch. How are you both today? Doing great. Great. 
great to yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Well, Bridget, let me start out with you. Um, I, I just just watched a uh, a reunion of the cast of The West Wing, um, singing your praises once again, and um, it, it reminded me of the last time that you ran. But in the uh, in the in the script, as as they were reading along, they mentioned that that you and Elizabeth are running for two open seats, and I've seen that in other places too, news accounts and so on. If you're running for re-election, how is it an open seat? Well, it, it uh, because I don't have to win it. It's an eight-year term, and that 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 is that just means. Um, uh, that anybody, the top two vote getters win. So the top two vote getters will each win eight year seats. Um, I, I like to think of mine as somewhat occupied since I've been sitting in it for eight years. But if I don't, if I don't finish in the top two uh, vote getters, then it then it goes to somebody else. That's the way that works. With other elected offices, though, you know, we see in congressional seats and senate seats, it it always seems like it's the incumbents to lose. And is is that just not the case in, uh, in in seats for judge or especially for the Supreme Court, or is it because uh, people are just they don't know who's on the Supreme Court? I think a lot of people don't know who's on the Supreme Court, but I do know that it, I have a I have a I go into the election with an advantage because it will say under my name justice of the supreme court so some right. people so people will understand that i am currently a justice and that is an advantage um elizabeth on the other hand um will not have that advantage because she's not yet a justice we just expect her to be one uh, shortly well and <laughs> chief justice and i want to ask you very quickly about that because a lot's being made about um you know who's conservative and who's liberal with regard to um federal supreme court appointments with uh, with this recent uh, nomination and confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. Um, people do it about the state Supreme Court as well. And there was a conservative majority on the Supreme Court when you got elected as a justice. And they chose you to be Chief Justice, which I think surprised a lot of people around the state because you had been, you know, put up, uh, supported by the Democratic Party uh, then and now, um, and and so it seemed unlikely that they would pick someone that they might perceive as coming from the left. What are your thoughts so, on that? Yeah, I mean, the thing about the court is that we do make every decision by committee, so that means all seven of us have to make each decision together and that means your relationships matter a lot because if you if you're not a good listener today um uh or worse then it's not going to work out well for you tomorrow um but the job of the chief is you know you don't get any extra vote you don't get any extra money you just have um some extra administrative responsibilities and um i am uh honored that my colleagues uh, selected me for the job. Um, I think they, I think they thought I could, I could, I could do a, do do right by it um, for this period. That I, you know, was energetic about the court's administrative role, and um, uh, although I get a lot of help from them on different parts of it, um, but I'm I'm grateful for their confidence in me. 
Tom, I have a question for Attorney yeah. Elizabeth Welch. And again, good morning, Attorney Welch. I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to run for Supreme Court? A lot of attorneys usually go up the ladder in terms of courts. They start off it with maybe the district court, the circuit court. What made you want to go from practicing law to the highest court in the state of Michigan? Pam, you were reading yeah, my mind. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for that question, and it's a very good one. Um, we've interestingly seen a change with our Supreme Court. Um, the last four justices that have either, you know, been appointed or run for office uh, for the court actually did not take that pathway. And I think um, there is, um, I think it's important that some people have that pathway. As the Chief Justice noted, there are seven justices sitting there. And I think um, having a mix of backgrounds is really important because ultimately the Supreme Court has the final say on lots of different legal issues. So I practice employment law, and I am, for example, very, very deep in the weeds on COVID and how that affects employers and employees every single day in our state. Uh, and I have a robust practice behind that that I've done for 25 years. I, I do think that that particular practice area will add value to the bench. It's not one that others have, and yet employment law is very, you know, a big important issue. Um, I also have spent uh, 25 years working on public school policy. I was regularly at the state capitol um, fighting for our public schools in our state and worked a lot on voting rights uh, and election law issues as well as conservation issues and, and environmental laws. So I have a sort of a pretty broad portfolio of legal experience. All of the things I care a lot about are directly impacted by the courts and its decisions. And I really do feel strongly that there is a benefit to having justices who have kind of a direct understanding of their opinions and its impact directly on people in our state. The other part is I was extremely motivated to step forward, frankly, by the work the Chief Justice has been doing to make yeah. the court system work better. Uh, and that's that piece, that administrative function. A lot of people don't realize that the justices can really make a difference in how the courts locally do perform. And I am someone who cares a lot about uh, government systems and working hard to improve them. It's I mean, nothing speaks more to that than public schools. So that's a skill set I would bring with me that um, made me really uh, excited to step forward. Well, Tom, great minds think alike, and you, and you know <laughs> I've learned a lot from you over the years listening to your show and being a co-host with you and also being interviewed interviewed by you so i'm, I'm i was i was actually there too actually pam i was just going to switch over to elizabeth and ask her pretty much that that very question <laughs> i i do want to talk about how the two candidacies end up being promoted together but we have a break coming up in about 40 seconds um can can everybody stand by for about four minutes and we'll get into this some more sure fabulous yeah yeah Okay, um, if you're listening to us on WFOV, our voice is Radio 92.1 FM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. We'll be back with uh, Attorney uh, Elizabeth Welch and Chief Justice of the Michigan Supreme Court, uh, Bridget McCormick, right after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, Pearly Gate Rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner. Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with our conversation with uh, two of the candidates for the uh, Michigan State Supreme Court. We have Chief Justice Bridget Mary McCormick um, with us, and uh, we have Attorney Elizabeth Welch with us as well. Also joining us is uh, my favorite uh, uh, Oakland County political activist, Pamela Gerald. Um, and welcome back, everybody. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sticking around. Um, just before the break, I, I started thinking about this idea of um, Elizabeth Welch and uh, Chief Justice McCormick are running for uh, two open seats on the Michigan Supreme Court. And they seem to be running as a team, almost like a ticket. And it, it seems a little unusual for a campaign for the Supreme Court. Um, I've, I've seen them together in television commercials and um, in, in print ads and social media ads. How did, how did that come about? Was that something that you two cooked up? Or was that the brainchild of some uh, professional political operative? <laughs> Honestly, I, uh, I I first met Elizabeth when I was running for office back in 2012. I think mm-hmm. I actually met her in 2011 or 2010. And she was um, uh, immediately very helpful to me, really like stood up for me against people who weren't so sure about my candidacy. Um, and then I got to know her and just really admired her and admired her um, ability to work with so many different kinds of people, her energy, her smart and so i was delighted when she agreed to to step up and run and frankly we can reach more people by pooling our resources so um since i'd love to see her as my colleague and uh we can be more efficient and more effective um uh it made sense it made sense to 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 do it that way has anybody raised the the issue that it was a little unusual I don't think it is that unusual. I mean, I think you normally see it um, in this race. I remember in 2016, uh, Justice Larson and Justice Viviano did all their commercials together in 2014. Um, that was also true. So I think it, it actually is not that unusual. Maybe it happens more than I think. It just, it when I first started seeing the spots, it seemed a little bit um, different. I, I And I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe Maybe it's just me. Um, well, Tom, it could be different because it's probably the first time that you've seen two female judicial candidates doing it, meaning uh, an incumbent, Justice McCormick, and then a person that she deems would, br- would bring that same judicial excellence to the bench. So I think it's just uncommon because it's two female candidates. Well, Pam, I hope it wasn't that. <laughs> Well, and I can jump in, I, I, I think, and I have the, the privilege of, of partnering with the Chief Justice on this, and quite honestly, a statewide campaign is a heavy lift. It's, this is a race that doesn't get the attention of people, like people running for governor, you know, um, and yet it's the same territory. We have to cover all 83 counties. So there no doubt is an efficiency of working together on this. Um, you know, it's not a secret that TV costs money, and that's, you know, but yet it's really important to this race to bring awareness to people of who we are and what our values are. So there's a lot of efficiencies that make sense. Um, I think what you've seen is, some too, in the past, is sometimes other groups will group candidates together. 
uh, and the Chief Justice and I, I mean, we're very values aligned. I think we appro- approach problem solving in very similar ways. Uh, and so, yes, the two of us have really worked closely together, and it's been, frankly, a privilege, and I'm really happy we were able to do it. You know, I mentioned earlier, uh, Bridget, that your sister is a member of, well, I didn't say specifically, your sister is a member of the uh, cast of The West Wing when it was Mm -hmm. on the air. She played the, uh, I believe, the Deputy National Security Advisor. (laughs) And uh, I I remember... I, I remember a friend of mine saying uh, back in 2012 when uh, when they first got together to do a uh, PSA uh, encouraging Michigan voters to look on the back of the ballot for the nonpartisan mm-hmm. section. Um, a friend of mine said, well, y- you know, uh, Bridget McCormick's going to win for sure because her sister's the national security advisor. <laughs> and... <laughs> Anyway, I I always thought that was kind of funny, and I was glad to see the cast get back together again and and do a spot. Um, There was a thing in the free press about it, and uh, and I had a chance to to see it and listen to it. Who does see those? Um, Who sees those videos? Yeah. Whoever... whoever we can reach. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of people have shared it on social media and um, it's on YouTube. Um, and so hopefully people see it um, by our uh, friends and, uh, and, and, and others who we don't even know, just sending it around to their networks. That's the goal. I am now, so sorry, you guys, but I'm going to have to go to. Yeah, that, that, to yeah that's to what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I was getting so ready I'm, to say, Tom. That is that Bridget? has to leave. Yes. yes. Well, Bridget, thank but, you for spending this time with me this morning. I appreciate it. Thank and you Tom, so much. And uh, well, Elizabeth will hang around so she can she can yeah, carry on without me. <laughs> and thank and you, Tom, guys. I know that the justice has to leave, but I wanted to uh, let you know that I was really pre- pleased that the Supreme Court decided to extend the landlord-tenant order through the end of the year of 2020 so people that have had their lives and their households um, upset by the pandemic they will not be evicted from their places of residence due to non-payment so that's a, a really good decision that i think that the michigan supreme court made bridget yeah, thank you for pointing that out yep I'm- you almost got out without a case being brought up <laughs> that was an administrative order, so that one is uh, that one is uh, one I can talk about. But thank you for putting that out, Pam. That is hopefully um, an important uh, relief to lots of people in Michigan. It's also true that there is significant funding for people to um, access to help them um, just on these eviction matters. All right, I'm gone. You guys, thank Bridget, you so take much. care. Okay. So Thanks again. Be able to I answer go. this. And then, Tom, I follow a lot of the Michigan Supreme Court cases. And another thing that I'm really impressed about, and maybe Attorney Welch can speak on this if she has any knowledge about it, they allocated $16 million back in October for what they call problem-solving courts. And I think um, the problem-solving that they were referring to is like your mental health, drug, sobriety, and veterans, and the issues that they dealt with coming back from the war. But, Attorney Welch, do you know anything about the $16 million in conjunction with Project ECHO, which is supposed to go a little bit further and address the opioid abuse? 
Yeah, I mean, I know, um, I, I certainly know the top line, but, and I was going to jump in. This is an example of exactly of that administrative function that the Chief Justice has been so great on, and I was going to clarify just in case she wasn't able to answer the whole uh, extension on the landlord-tenant you know, moratorium, uh, that that was, yeah, part of the court's administrative function uh, in the functioning of the courts. And yes, the uh, court did issue that, you are correct. Um, so the, the the court also significantly funds a lot of problem-solving courts around the state. And um, we have seen this. This has taken off the last really 15 years all over the state. They started out, uh, a lot of them started out as a sobriety court. Uh, you know, maybe people who had, a, you know, um, convictions for uh, a drunk driving or um, alcohol-related offenses. Uh, they could opt to take get go to sobriety court, and then there would be a treatment plan and all kinds of problem-solving mechanisms, really making our courts more of a problem-solver rather than just a hammer for punishment. And that they, they've expanded to include addiction courts, uh, which, of course, is dealing with things like the opioid crisis, veterans treatment court, as you noted. Um, there's also some specialty courts, like over in Kent County, they have something uh, in the juvenile system called girls court, dealing with unique issues with teenage girls. So they really are championed by local judges, but those judges can essentially apply for a grant to um, start up or continue to fund the local problem-solving court. So that's what that $60 million is for, and there is a special pool that is that they have to help uh, court startup programs, you know, uniquely qualified to deal with the opioid epidemic, which has crossed the whole state and all demographic in its reach. So that's a really important um, way and example that the Supreme Court is hard at work supporting the court system as a whole. Elizabeth, um, what do you think is uh, the best way for us to select judges? Is it by appointment, like we see at the federal level? Uh, level or is it through election like we see in most state courts you know i actually i i get asked this a lot and i think it can go either way i think you can make pros and con arguments either way we've certainly seen the divisiveness at the federal level mm -hmm. uh how this is sort of played out um i don't know that that divisiveness is particularly good for democracy um at the the biggest challenge with electing judges is one you want them to be um politically separated, you know, like that they, they're nonpartisan. So everybody who serves as a judge takes that oath, and I think most take it very seriously. But there can be an appearance of impropriety because with elections comes the need to raise money. So then people say, well, are you influenced? So that's the appearance problem that I think we have with elections. At the same time, I really do believe in accountability to the public. Uh, and if people would, just, you know, we need people to pay attention to these races and hold their judges accountable. Uh, I, I, I do feel strongly that uh, our democracy requires accountability of some form. Now, there are states that have sort of a blend. You get appointed, but you run for retention. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, Michigan has decided that, uh, you know, long ago, uh, the electorate decided we will elect our judges. Uh, and they will stand for a re-election. The Supreme Court has eight-year terms. Those are long by design to sort of insulate the justices from sort of the political pressures of the day, mm -hmm. which that's good. We want that. Yeah, they're not always running for re-election. 
correct, and there is a difference. If you're a state rep and every two years, I mean, your world and your lens is very different. And, again, their job is very different. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very different. So I, the biggest challenge with having elections is people often just don't know who people are on the nonpartisan section. And so when they vote, they either skip the section or, even worse, they guess, and they just fill in a name that looks familiar. But maybe that person actually is not really um, aligned with them on uh, what kind of judge they would want. And so that's where we just are hoping people will do their homework. And, Attorney Welch, another problem with that is based on the judicial canons, uh, judicial candidates cannot campaign, say, as long as a state representative or a state senator would campaign. I think the canons says that you can only campaign like 180 days prior to the election. We can actually we can campaign earlier, but we can't raise any money until February of the election year. Okay. So you're correct. It's um, it, it, and so that by you know obviously to campaign you need money, <laughs> so it costs money to run a campaign. Mm-hmm. As a practical matter, you can't. So I, for example, did create my campaign committee in December and started going to some meetings and you know, different things, but obviously couldn't raise money yet. Uh, And then in February, you can start raising money, and then you can, of course, start doing more broad things with, you know, your outreach. But so as a practical matter, most candidates, you know, you really get going in February of the election year because of those limitations. And again, those are just by design. The canons want to limit the amount of time you're out there sort of doing that campaign-like activity. Mm-hmm. Now, Tom, you've been a stellar talk show host for a long, long time, and you've helped and inspired people such as myself and others around the uh, Michigan community. Have you ever heard people asking you why judicial candidates don't endorse other political candidates? They appear to only endorse other judges? Well, it's been my experience that sitting candidates are very reluctant to commit to anything during an election cycle, Mm -hmm. Um, and and that includes endorsing candidates. But judges, um, and and this is something Elizabeth was talking about, and I want to get Elizabeth back in here, um, talking about this this perception. Um, You know, in Michigan, the... uh, the state parties, the two big box parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, um, support and back certain candidates, even for the Supreme Court. And so there is this perception that there are Republican justices and Democratic justices. At the federal level, we think of justices as Republican appointed or Democratic appointed. And so there becomes this whole left-right thing. What What is your interpretation of uh, Bridget McCormick being selected as the Chief Justice in a conservative majority uh, state Supreme Court? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think what it does is it says a lot about what a terrific Chief Justice she's mm-hmm. been. Um, so she was unanimously selected by her colleagues. Uh, and you are correct, uh, Tom. We, we have this really interesting blend in Michigan where the only way we get on the ballot is for the parties to nominate us. That is the pathway to the ticket. So you do have to get secure the party nomination, uh, which that official process happened in August, and that is how all the candidates were listed on the ballot under the Supreme Court section. All of them were nominated by a party. The Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Green Party, the Libertarians were all jumbled together on the ballot. That is how it works. 
the chief justice uh, was nominated by the Democratic Party back in 2012, and obviously she and I uh, were nominated this cycle uh, for the race. Mm-hmm. Um, she arrived at the court in 2012 um, at a moment where the court, frankly, was very divisive. Uh, there were, yes. um, and I don't mean decision-making divisive, I mean, like, the justices literally just didn't get along, and it right. wasn't on party lines at all. It was, in fact, um, you know, members of the Republican-nominated contingent just didn't get along. And um, some of that in the years prior had really spilled out into the public, and it was very unfortunate. I think we made an article even in the New York Times about, you know, how the infighting on the court was so bad. <laughs> and she arrived, and it was like this huge game-changer. Uh, she is a uniter. She finds common ground with people. Uh, and again, um, this is one of those things. I think if you're going to be a Supreme well, I believe this is about any judge, but particularly the Supreme Court, where you have seven people having to work together on decisions, you're going to have to know how to agree to disagree and, as the Chief Justice noted, move on the next day because there's still work to be done. Mm-hmm. There is particularly a lot of work to be done to make the court system itself function better. I think this is something that can really unite the justices, regardless of their ideology and judicial philosophy. I think that's something that's important to keep in mind. I think the justices who are sitting there now, and I really believe this, all want a good, a high-functioning court system. And they each have different passions about what they care about and are working on those pieces in the system. They sort of divide up tasks and work on what they care about. The Chief Justice is a champion on pretty much all of those issues, and I, I, think, her, I think her colleagues recognize she's really good at this administrative side. Uh, and she's obviously an outstanding uh, justice as well in her opinion, but I think that unanimous vote largely had to do with her bridge-building skill set and her ability to sort of represent the third branch of government to the other branches and recognizing how important that is uh, as you're working with all the different branches uh, in that role. And I think they, it says a lot. It means they recognized her skills and they stripped out the, you know, any partisanship in that decision. When you talk about the different branches, Elizabeth, I, I can't help thinking about uh, something I've been watching for a while where uh, municipalities, their, their legislative bodies, and even in Lansing, um, they, they come to an impasse and it ends up in the courts. And more mm-hmm. and more, it seems like courts are deciding legislative issues. Is there a way, either administratively or from the bench, that courts can send these guys back to work to, to actually do their jobs? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really, an, once it's up on appeal to the Supreme Court, you've got to make the, you know, you have to make the decision. Well, really, of course. That's the lower courts. So the lower courts, those circuit courts um, where the disputes start, um, judges do that a lot. They'll look at something and say, you know, it, the judges put a lot of pressure on parties when they think something really looks like it should be worked out. You know, they will send the parties back to mediation or or do a, you know, they call it like a, you know, a status conference or a settlement conference, and the judge will do everything he or she can to sort of bring consensus to the parties to try to resolve the matter. So judges, frankly, that is a skill set a lot of people don't know that a lot of our local trial court judges need to have, uh, and there are some who do it very effectively. Um, and maybe they, you know, a big motion pending, and they send the parties, you know, to a conference room to go work it out. Now it's a Zoom conference room, but... but um, so right. that, that happens all the time. But you're right. Um, I think you see uh, we are living in a time where things become kind of um, 
oh, what's the word, sort of strident and, and maybe hyper-partisan very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, people certainly have access to the courts for the courts to make a decision. It's not always, as someone who sat on a school board and has been deeply involved in municipal efforts and county efforts, it, certainly, I mean, democracy requires working with one another. So this is me talking out, taking off judicial branch hat and putting on a different branch hat. It really does require working together. Uh, and in an ideal world, that happens. But obviously, if it doesn't happen, the courts then will be the, have the final say. And, and finally, we just have about three and a half minutes left. Um, I, I want to, you mentioned uh, Zoom meetings, which, of course, uh, brings mm-hmm. up the whole thing about COVID and the way courts have uh, begun to reopen and how they're operating differently using uh tele hearings and in different using technology to conduct business differently is that something we're going to see stick around long after the uh, as the president would say the uh, virus magically disappears <laughs> um I, the answer is yes so um and that's that is that part of the pandemic is good news um as i have said um, well, for a long time, uh, lawyers are notorious late adapters. We, um, I joke um, that word perfect, <laughs> it, you know, the word processing program that everybody abandoned a long time ago still existed for years and years more because lawyers used it. And we like wouldn't use a new, we wouldn't convert to words because all our documents were in one other format and it was a pain to convert them. So that's just well, one example. There word so didn't have strikeout things. right away. Look, it's human nature to just stick with what you have and not have to learn something new. But lawyers are, look, we are trained to follow precedent, right? We're trained to do things like we did in the past. You start a brief, what do you do? You pull the brief you did last time that was similar on issues. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we're trained, and that's good. That's the stability of the court system. It is not always good for actual day-to-day practice management and how the courts operate. So the courts have been behind literally everyone else when it comes to technology. There were um, exceptions. There were some judges who are like total tech wonks, and they like adapted early. Uh, And I know some in my own area in Kent County where I live. They were fantastic. Uh, But others, not so much. And so there's always been this this silly notion that if you have a hearing, say you're a Kent County attorney and you have a hearing in Genesee County, you had to go show up in person to appear sometimes for three minutes. Uh, and that's just silly. <laughs> so it was silly for the client to have to take a day off work. There's a lot of things that we can use, um, you know, just video conferencing, it, it, Zoom, uh, for those sorts of functions. That will not go away. We still obviously have to hold a lot of jury trials in person, and there's that part is being held up right now, which is really challenging. But there's a lot of good that definitely, uh, the silver lining is um, there will be a lot more innovation on that front in our courts. And, Tom, I have one last question for Attorney Welch. Okay, you we got about earlier, 40 seconds. Okay, you said earlier that you were an employment lawyer for 25 years and that you've uh, dabbled in public school policy. You hear a lot of attorneys say that their cases were refused at the Supreme Court level. Do you know currently why some of those cases would not be approved to be heard before the Michigan Supreme Court? 
Elizabeth, I, I don't want to limit your answer to uh, 15 seconds, so can you stick around for a few minutes and, and then pick that yeah, up? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Oh, okay, we have another break here, and then we'll, uh, we'll be back and pick up uh, Pam's question for Elizabeth Welch right after this. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue uh, our conversation this hour. We've been uh, talking with two of the uh, candidates for the Michigan Supreme Court. I believe there are seven. But we were talking with uh, Chief Justice uh, Bridget Mary McCormick, who managed to get away before I could press her to... uh, invite her sister or some of the other cast members of the West Wing <laughs> to be on my show. But uh, also... Tom, we'll try to do that. <laughs> also uh, on the show, um, and and has been very gracious to stick around all this hour, yes. um, is Elizabeth uh, Welch, who many of you may have seen, uh, partnered up, at least in some campaign literature and uh, promotions, TV ads, and so on, with Chief Justice McCormick. And just before we went to break, we had uh, my my co-host for today, who was instrumental in getting the uh, two candidates to be on the show today, is uh, my favorite political activist from Oakland County, Pam Ger- Gerald. Oh, Tom, that's <coughs> why I love you. And and you Pam, really know how to make my head big. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pam, just before we went to break, you had asked. Elizabeth a question and Elizabeth was about to respond and we didn't have enough time and we went to break. Elizabeth, are you comfortable picking it up from there or would you, would you like Pam yeah, to Yeah. Okay. I'd be happy to. So uh, I think Pamela was asking um why the court, you know, takes up some issues and not others and sort of how does that work? And um it's a great question actually. Uh because what it what it really emphasizes is the po- the importance of the lower court. Uh, cause that's where most cases start and finish. Most cases start and finish at your local courthouse. Most people don't either have the resources or just the legal claims just aren't there to appeal. So it's really important people pay attention to who they're electing locally. It is so important. But then after that, there is, um, sort of a right of appeal to go to the court of appeals, which is the middle layer of courts. And again, that's where if something does go up on appeal, it mostly ends there. And if people don't know who the justices are they often have no idea who the court of appeals judges are and they really make the most appeals decisions because the supreme court only has space to take about 200 appeals a year and they get 2,000 applications so you have to have your appeal accepted basically you apply um and the seven justices basically get together uh now on zoom normally in a room um and they look at these applications, and they you have to have four people vote to of the seven. Um, you're right, Tom. There are seven justices. And you have to have four of the seven vote to say, yes, I think this is an issue we really need to consider. So what often happens, again, they can only take, you know, a tenth, you know, 10% of what, what, what the applications are um, just because of, you know, space. So that is one of the um, – you ideally want justices who care about big, broad issues who will then consider those hard issues because you've got to convince for the justice that there's legally something that needs to be tackled. You know, is there something that's maybe unconstitutional that has been allowed to stand in the past? Is there 
uh, a conflict and, you know, two cases that conflict with each other? Is there something about the law that's unclear and the lower court judges are clearly having trouble following the law and they need guidance? Uh, you know, so those are examples um, of cases that the court will take up. Elizabeth, is Bridget the only incumbent running uh, in the in the uh, field of seven mm-hmm. for the two seats? Correct. So mm-hmm. every couple of years, uh, there are a couple of seats that, you know, it's time that about two seats will be up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this particular year, she's an incumbent, and then there's an open seat, and that's what you were talking a little bit about that time earlier. Uh, there is an actual open seat in that someone is retiring. So okay. I right. am not having to run, even though we all run together, uh, there's this open seat, which is obviously a huge opportunity because the Chief Justice will have Justice of the Supreme Court below her name um, on the ballot. So it's super easy to pick her out. It's traditionally been an advantage, not always, but most of the time. And so... Um, there will only be one person who has that, and then everybody, um, you know, gets two votes. So Michigan has this strange. We have age limits for judges. Uh, obviously, that doesn't that that rule isn't in place for any of the other branches, but there aren't term limits. So I, I was, so you know, I, I generally ask about that, but that doesn't seem like anything that you or uh, Bridget would be necessarily concerned about. Not yeah, right I mean, now. Like, You're too young. Yeah, I mean, that's I, right. <laughs> it does mean, it, I, I, I mean, I'll be blunt, but it does mean that when people are like recruiting or, or talking to people about running for this seat, you know, there's a desire to ideally, you know, have a justice who could really have stability and put in two terms. Um, so you'll find that a lot of the candidates are, you know, in their 50s. I just turned 50. So, so, so uh, you know, and so that means that, yes, I have the capacity to do two full terms. Um, now, if you turn um, 70 in your term, you can finish the term. You just can't run again. So what we have now is Justice Markman, who was originally appointed by Governor Engler way back. Mm-hmm. So he served mm-hmm. on the court a long time. Uh, he is now, you know, over 70. I think he might be 72-ish, something like that. Uh, and um, so he can't run again, and that, thus the opening. Gotcha. And that's true of all the judicial system, your local district court all the way up to Supreme Court. Well, we got to wrap it up there, but uh, Elizabeth, it's been a real pleasure meeting you and talking with you, and anything you can do to get Bridget to hook me up with cast members from West Wing <laughs> is much appreciated. Tom, we're going to work on that for you. <laughs> You'd be amazed how many people ask about that. I, I am, <laughs> but I am such a huge West Wing geek. I have all seven seasons on DVD. And I still, you are a fan. And I still binge watch it on Netflix. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I didn't Tom, see. I'm going to work no. on that for you. <laughs> a- anyway, I I just want to thank you, Elizabeth, and wish you the best of luck. I uh, I'm always impressed by people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and and actually get involved. And so, uh, good on you. Thank you so much. Thanks and for thank you me. so much, Attorney Welch, uh, from Tom's co-host today. We really appreciate you, you uh, giving us this time to find out more about you and for the voters to hear about you and what's on your mind. Right. Well, thank you all. I really appreciate you having me. Take care. And Mm -hmm. Pamela Gerald, my favorite Oakland County political activist, thank you so much for helping to arrange this and for participating as well. Thanks. Um, Thank you so much. And you know that I will uh, always avail myself for you. You have 
helped me a whole lot in my uh, Michigan endeavors, working as a volunteer on campaigns. You have also given me the mic to talk about issues that really matter to me. So I thank you for that. And you can always call me. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And with that, uh, Armchair Politics coming up at the top of the hour. Um, mentioned the cast of West Wing. Here's, uh, here's a little uh, three-minute, um, the audio from a three-minute video they put together um, supporting um, voting for the nonpartisan part of the ballot, but also supporting McCormick and uh, Welch, um, Chief Justice Bridget Mary McCormick and uh, Attorney Elizabeth Welch. Eight years ago, the good people of the great state of Michigan elected Bridget Mary McCormick to the state Supreme Court. Six years later, her colleagues on the bench saw fit to name this exceptional jurist Chief Justice. Now, Bridget's up for re-election, and attorney Elizabeth Welch is running for Michigan's other open seat. Bridget and Elizabeth agree that the courtroom is one place where fairness should outrank strength, where being right should matter more than being popular or powerful. They believe the courts belong to the people and that the people should know what the courts are doing and how they're doing it. So Michiganders can now watch oral arguments in real time or on the court's official YouTube channel. They have a YouTube channel? Yes, thanks to Bridget. Read the talking points. Anyway. From co-chairing the task force on pretrial reform to helping spearhead veterans treatment courts, Chief Justice McCormick has served with excellence and integrity. In so doing, she's given Michigan a healthy dose of something we could all use right now. Hope. 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 And faith. However you vote. For state Supreme Court or any other office. Make sure you look for the nonpartisan section of the ballot. The nonpartisan section of the ballot. I'm told it's in the back. Probably. It's probably in the back. You just, you have to look for it. Which takes, you know, like 10 extra seconds, so it's a thing. Oh boy, there's a thing. There's always a thing. You don't have to go all Galileo. It's not celestial navigation. It's labeled. But just do it because. Because in this country, voting is a sacred responsibility. A sacred responsibility. A sacred responsibility. Even as we continue to socially distance, Chief Justice McCormack manages to bring people together, ideologically and otherwise. So if you're looking for a fair shake and a good heart. If you're looking for a mind at work. If you're looking for justice. For our veterans. For our children. For our moms and dads. If you're looking for justice. For the environment. For voters. For everyday Americans. For people like you. And for people not like you. Then Bridget Mary McCormick is your candidate. It has been said that baseball reminds us of all that once was good and that it could be again. Chief Justice McCormick is the embodiment of that ideal. You put her on the field, Michigan, and she hit it out of the park. Bridget Mary McCormick. Put her and Elizabeth Welch in the room where it happens. The room where it happens. The room where it happens. To the age-old question, what's next? Here is what's next. Vote. 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 Let it be written. Let it be done. And God bless America. Bridget Mary McCormick.
And I'm Elizabeth Welch. And we approve this message. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.